everybody and welcome to a new episode of Evie's Korean Drama Podcast Show. My name is Evie, I'm your host, and I am a K-drama obsessive. So this is the show where I waffle on about all of the K-drama that I love. If you'd like to support the show, you can check out my Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Evie Korean Drama Podcast. There you will find extra podcast episodes and updates on what I'm watching at the moment. Also, just before I get started, please be warned that I do swear a little bit on this show when I get excited. And when I'm talking about K-drama, I always get excited. Alright, so I thank you very, very much for listening and let's get on with the K-drama show. Okay, so the drama that I have chosen to chat about with you all today is called Train. Train, train, train. I loved it so much. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to talk about this show. (laughs) Um, So Train is a 2020 Korean drama. It's an OCN thriller, so it is dark and gritty and atmospheric and so fucking cool. I'm like really, really obsessed and excited. <laughs> um, it is only 12 episodes and it is, so it's like a crime thriller detective story, but it is also got a parallel worlds twist. Um, I have to admit, so like I'm obsessed. I loved it. I think this is, I honestly think this is going to be one of my favorite dramas of 2020. Um, I watched it while it aired and I was addicted. Like I was just desperate for the next episode, even though like saying all that, I'm also going to admit to you guys that I don't know if it's the kind of show that's for everyone. I don't think like if I'm looking at it from a non-biased point of view, it's probably not perfect. I I reckon there's some, you know, mad coincidences in the plot and maybe some like little plot holes and things, you know, it, it jumps around a bit, but I just got so emotionally invested in this show. But like I said, you know, this is a personal taste thing. This show really ticked my boxes. It was the right show that I watched at the right time. I was in the mood for something dark and twisty and atmospheric and creepy and filled with these kind of you know, crazy ideas that I just loved the concept and kind of themes of the show. It also stars one of my absolute favorite actors, Yoon Shi Yoon. So like, that's a definite win. Like clearly I'm going to be biased towards it. And he, I think he's so good in this. Like I really, really loved his performance. Um, And the kind of third factor I think that was really interesting and just like a perfect time for me with this show that I think really, really made me adore it even more is, you know, like everyone else in the world who loves K-dramas. And if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you will know that I've already put up an episode about The King Eternal Monarch. So I watched The King Eternal Monarch while it was airing earlier this year uh, in 2020 as I record this. And obviously that drama is about parallel worlds. It is a fantasy romance, but its main kind of concept is the idea of these two worlds that are mirrors of each other yet 
different. So mirrors of each other in terms of the same people live in both worlds, sometimes, not always, but a lot of them do. Um, But they live completely different lives because obviously, you know, the worlds are different, the circumstances are different, the histories are different. And one of the things I thought when I was watching that show, I remember feeling so like strongly interested in like he's sort of the second male lead in that show. And I've totally fucking forgotten his name. Is it uh, Kim Kyung Nam? Maybe. I don't know. I love this actor, but I keep forgetting his name. I find it a really hard one to stick. Um, I should have looked it up. Oh my gosh, so I did look up his name and his name really was Kim Kyung Nam. So I feel very proud of myself for finally remembering his name. Um, I really love this actor, but in The King Eternal Monarch, he plays this kind of, you know, really serious, gritty detective. He's almost like so serious and gritty as a detective in that show that he's like in his own different drama. It feels like, you know, kind of different tonally to the rest. But anyway, that's about a different show. Um, But I remember watching The King Eternal Monarch and being like, imagine if this whole story of like, like creepy people crossing over into different worlds and like, you know, taking over people's lives was from Kim Kyung Nam's detective character's point of view. And he's just a man who is slowly investigating a crime that ends up threading between parallel worlds. Like how interesting would that be as a concept? And I really had it stuck in my mind as a I would have watched that. I would have loved to have watched that. And then, of course, this drama, Train, comes out only a couple months later. And Train is basically exactly that. Like concept wise, it's, you know, it's a completely different story. It's a different mystery. It's its own thing entirely. And tonally, it's very, very different to The King. Um, But its kind of general setup and idea is that exact concept that I wanted, you know? So that's what I mean when I say my experience watching this show is probably going to be like, it's a very personal experience as, you know, I'm sure everyone's is when you watch a K-drama. But it really, really, really appealed to me because it was exactly what I kind of wanted to watch. Um, So I think that's why it's not why I loved it so much, because I honestly do think this is a really good show. Um, But I think it's really good show for people if you are, you know, someone who enjoys watching these kind of OCN, dark, gritty shows about, you know, detectives and murders and all that kind of stuff. Um, So that's kind of the general overview and sort of how I felt about the show, like as a whole. Um, I really, really loved it. Um, so I was going to next talk about, you know, why I watched it, like why I kind of picked it up, but I think it's pretty obvious. Like, um, I loved the idea of the concept and I think I was particularly interested in how it would handle its own parallel worlds kind of ideas. Um, after watching the King, I think it's really interesting the way in K-drama land, like sometimes year to year, like a concept sort of comes along and a lot of different K-dramas come out around the same thing. Like, you know, like one year it was like robots or whatever and gross to robots. I'm not into that, but I am into parallel worlds apparently. (laughs) So I think it's just really interesting to kind of, um, not compare them because I think, you know, The King and also Train are just such different shows, but I think The King really gave me a taste for those kind of ideas. I really wanted to watch those ideas in a different type of show. And I think Train just really, you know, it just fit that for me. So that was really cool. And I think that's why I was initially drawn to it. I just wanted to know how it would handle those same ideas in its own way. Um, but then on a completely shallow and uncool kind of level of why I watch this show is because of the casting, like literally 
it's because Yoon Chi Yoon is in it. <laughs> so um, anyone who's listened to this podcast for a while, I'm, I'm pretty sure I've, I've talked about quite a few of Yoon Chi Yoon's different dramas. Um, and it was really nice for me, actually, because I always try his shows. Like, I always pick them up. I always give them a go because I just I think he's really good. Um, he's also, you know, he's a super handsome man. What can I say? It's true. <laughs> um, so I always pick up his shows to see what they're like. But I feel like lately I haven't really got fully, fully invested in like that. You know, there are different levels to loving a show. I think sometimes I watch a K-drama like right to the end and I'm kind of like, oh yeah, you know, I really enjoy this when it's on, I'm into it, uh, or I want to know what happens. And then there's that level of watching a show where you are emotionally invested in those people, in those characters. You need to know how they're going to end up at the end and you really care about what's going to happen to them. And you have that addicted feeling that when you finish an episode, you are desperate to watch the next one. Like you really want it. It's not just like a casual viewing kind of experience. And I feel like that kind of level of, you know, I guess passion for a show. I don't mind it that it doesn't happen that often. Like I think it makes it all the more special when you find that particular show idea or whatever that really connects with you, that makes you particularly love one drama more than say the masses. Um, so I don't think it's a bad thing that I don't feel that way about every single show. Um, I think, you know, it made this experience really cool. Um, another one for me this year in 2020 was Hospital Playlist. You know, I was obsessed with it. Um, and it, it's been, it hasn't been that long since I watched it, but, you know, a couple of months of watching things that I've been really into or really enjoyed, but haven't had this level of just, oh my gosh, I need to live and breathe this show for a little while. Um, so yeah, Yoon Shi Yoon was a massive reason to watch it. And there's a lot of other like kind of faces that I recognize in this drama when it comes to the casting. But I have to admit there wasn't any other kind of people I particularly knew or was drawn to. So the female lead in this drama is played by an actress called Kang, oh, Kyung Soo Jin. So Kyung Soo Jin, I have seen her once before. She plays um, in weightlifting fairy Kim Bok Ju. She plays um, the main male lead. Uh, what's his name? Nam Ju Hyuk ex-girlfriend so she's like a gymnast she's kind of the second female lead in a sort of a way she kind of has her own story going on and I didn't love her in that drama and I think that probably that has more to do with the character than the actress um I think because although I think at the time I was like I don't really like this actress but um I've noticed I do this a lot when when people like actors and actresses play characters that I don't really like the character I'm like nah I don't like that person you know <laughs> which is just ridiculous like I don't know why I do this it's so obvious that you know you need to separate an actor from their performance. Um, but you know, I don't, so whatever. <laughs> um, so I didn't really love that Kyung Soo Jin was cast in this drama, but after watching her in it, um, I feel quite differently about her. I thought she was a really good choice. And, um, you know, because this drama is a parallel worlds drama, a lot of the characters have to play multiple versions of the same person. Um, so Kyung Soo Jin plays, you know, a very, kind of sad, but kind of lighter, kind of, <laughs> what a weird description. So she's a prosecutor in the first kind of parallel, like the first world that we get introduced to. And she has lighter, lighter aspects to her personality. Like she's got a bit of cutesy stuff going on a little bit. Um, and then we get introduced to this other version of her. 
which ends up being the main female lead in the drama. And I thought she was really good. She's like, she just plays a complete tough nut detective. Like she's so just tough and like she's very tortured. She has all this trauma from her past, but it's more than that. Just the way she walks, she's got a swagger. She's just very, I really liked it. I actually thought it really worked for me. So I do feel quite different about um, the actress Kyung Soo Jin now, I think. Um, so I'll probably, you know, not shy away from her future dramas anymore. Um, and there's a whole bunch of other faces, but I won't go into them because who knows who these people are. They're just, um, you know, faces that you do see around a bit. Um, but basically for me, the whole drama really, really centered around um, Yoon Chi Yoon's performance as so his character is so Do Won. So Do Won is a detective um, the, and he's the main character from One Parallel World. So I will get into a bit of the setup so that hopefully it makes a little bit more sense or this like very confusing like everyone's playing two different people and all this shit's going on. It's just, it's not confusing when you watch it, but I'm sure hopefully I can explain it in a way that makes sense. Um, but I really think Do Won really carries the show like emotionally he is the heart of it and I think this is another aspect that really really made me love this show like sometimes thrillers are you know like crime detective gritty crime thrillers whatever can be really really good and I get really I really I'm into them and they have really interesting plots and that kind of stuff like I guess I'm thinking about um, a drama right now called Justice which I watched which starred uh, Chae Jin Hyuk and I do think that drama has emotion, but it is more focused on the plot. Um, there was emotion in it for sure, but it just, this felt different. It felt like Do Won was just this emotional heart to this show. As a character, you feel like you really get to know him and understand him. He's not just, you know, someone to investigate a crime and the crime is the main kind of point of the show. I felt like even though there's you know, there's a serial killer thing going on. There's parallel worlds. I felt like this was Do Wan's thing. Like this show was his show. It was about him as a character and what he's trying to do and achieve. And I just really, really liked him. I liked him so much. And I also was quite interested in the fact that I think the actor Yoon Shi Yoon, he, you know, he plays a lot of different type of different types of roles, I suppose. Um, but one thing that I do think he does a lot is these kind of um, like very energetic, kind of larger than life, like you know, real. I don't even know how to explain it, but like almost over the top performances, like not in a bad way, but like kind of comedy or like, you know, physical comedy or just craziness. And it was really interesting for me to see him in this show where he plays this very kind of like quiet, reserved, but very capable man who has these like past traumas, but isn't necessarily like bubbling over with emotion, I suppose. Like, just very, very reserved and quiet. And that was just very different for me. I don't think, I mean, I know Eugene has played those kind of roles, I suppose, like maybe in Knock Do Flower, like the historical drama that was quite different, but I still feel like that drama had more like screaming and crying scenes than his role in this. There was just a quietness about his character that I think I really, really liked. And I just found it really interesting to, I think, watch him be so reserved. And I think Yoon Chi Yoon is actually like, you know, I'm totally biased. I'm not going to lie. Like, I love him. I think he's great, but I think he's a really good actor. And I think he can pull off that kind of very subtle kind of thing where he doesn't 
always show heaps of stuff on his face, but you can see from his eyes that there's, you know, shit going on. Like, I, I really like that kind of thing. Um, so I really felt like he kind of carried the show um, emotionally as the character, but also the actor was just, you know, he's great. I love him. There you go. All right, so next I'm going to talk a bit about the setup and it'll be very, very interesting to see how well I do explaining this rather convoluted plot. When you're watching it, it does not feel convoluted. It's very clear and easy to follow, but I feel like explaining it is going to be madness. All right. So let's see if I can do this. <laughs> so Yoon Ji Yoon plays this detective character called Doan. So the first world we get, I'm just going to call them first world and second world. So I've, hopefully that makes sense. Um, the first world that we get introduced to at this point, we have no idea about anything in the drama that could have like, you know, there's no supernatural, supernatural elements at the very beginning. It just seems like a gritty crime drama. So Doan is a detective who is clearly suffering from some trauma. So like he's, I don't know, he's taking some pills and like they're kind of like his, uh, you know, chief lady person, boss, whatever, um, is whose name is Omi Suk, is kind of telling him, you know, like you should take time off, you should not be doing this. And he's just like, he's very dogged and clearly all he has in his life is work and he's not happy. Um, but we kind of see that he he kind of goes to the ends of the earth, I suppose, to and risks himself and his lively, like his his health and everything to kind of catch the people that he's after. So he's very obsessive um, and very dedicated to the job. But we also see that there's this weird history thing going on with this woman played by Kyung Soo Jin, who's the main female lead. So Kyung is her character's name. So in the first world, So Kyung is a prosecutor and they're both working on a case and they kind of at odds with each other and you at first don't quite realize but eventually the drama brings it to light and I really like this it's not set up in an obvious way it's like clues and hints and little by little their backstory gets layered into the story for you to understand how deep and old their connection is and you eventually realize that 12 years prior what's happened is that when they're both teenagers, Do Wan is walking home from school or some shit. I don't know. He's like, it's raining. It's at night. And he goes to try and find his dad. And his dad's a bit of a drunkard and like kind of a dropkick, I guess. And Do Wan is always cleaning up after his dad. So he goes in his little school uniform through the rain and he turns up at this alley where his dad is. And his dad has been hit by a car in a hit and run. And Doan is like freaking out, really upset. And he goes to the hospital. And then he realizes in the house just down the street, So Kyung, the female lead, as a teenager, has come home from school or whatever the fuck she was doing that night, who knows, in the rain, and has found her own dad murdered on the ground. And her dad has been murdered using a necklace from her mother's like necklace collection thing, like jewelry box or whatever the fuck. <laughs> um, and, you know, she comes home and he's lying there in a pile of blood. Her mum has long since, you know, has passed away a lot earlier. And so they kind of all end up at the hospital together and Do Wan sees her, realizes that this is the house very near to where his dad was. His dad was like a plumber or something and he realizes that his dad might have been there and then he finds a necklace in his dad's possession, which everyone thinks is the murder weapon and the reason, like how this um, So Kyung's father has been murdered, you know, by choked out by this necklace. So Do Wan, of course, makes this 
absolutely terrible realization to him that his father in a drunken state has gone and murdered this young girl's, you know, the schoolgirl's dad. And so he is pretty fucking depressed <laughs> and um, things get really, really dark and he ends up at these train tracks and he's kind of standing there on the train tracks and he's ready to die. Like he doesn't want to live in this world with what his dad's done. Um, but the thing is, no one knows that his dad has done it. The detective in charge has kind of been like, look, your dad's dead anyway. Let's just cover it up. You don't want to live as a murderer's son. Like I'll, I'll help you and look after you and kind of helps him get a room in her like weird house or something. I don't really know what was going on there. So Doan can't live with the guilt of what his dad might've done. And he turns up to the the train tracks to die and he sees so kyung this you know girl in school uniform and well she's not she's wearing jeans but whatever <laughs> and she walks onto the tracks in front of him and just looks at him and he recognizes her from the hospital and you know these moments and they kind of had this moment where they kind of met each other on the street earlier of course they did <laughs> and he last minute saves her life and then he brings her home with him, finds out that she's living with her like completely evil stepmother who is abusing her and physically abusing her and her stepbrother who's older, who's very, very scary dude, who's like, you know, trying to hit on her sometimes. So Doan saves her from this absolutely disgusting, awful, horrible situation and brings her to this detective in charge, Omisuk, um, his house. So Omisuk is like, you know, the chief bloody police officer lady, whatever. And she's played by an actress that I don't really know. I've seen her face. Her name is Yi Hung Na. So, you know, these two teens start sort of living, I think in like different rooms, but in this like big, you know, kind of like apartment complex or whatever it is that this detective chief lady woman owns. And so they grow up together and Do Won lives to protect So Kyung, to keep So Kyung safe, to give, you know, she is literally the only reason that he isn't dead, basically. But he's also living with this unbelievable weighty guilt because it's his dad that did this, that put her in this situation that ruined her entire life and murdered her father. And this level of guilt, we, we kind of learn through like their conversations and their flashbacks. And it's very slowly kind of revealed that as they grew up together, they're so close, but eventually So Kyung kind of admits to him that she likes him. And I was like, of course she fucking likes him. Like this, this boy turned up out of nowhere and has saved her like completely and utterly and looked after her and been so kind to her for like 10 fucking years and never asked for anything in return, never expected anything in return and never like hit on her or done anything weird. Like, of course she is completely in love with him. But when she kind of confesses this to him, finally, he absolutely removes himself from her life. And this huge chasm has sort of been created between them where she can't understand, you know, like what's really going on. And he's so cold and, you know, pushed, pushing back against her. And now they sort of work in the same areas, like coming across each other as detective and prosecutor. But quite often they're fighting, they're at odds, and there's just so much angst and pain and conflict between the two. And it's a very interesting thing because the drama really just starts with them at odds. Like they're 
you know, have this very strange, tense, antagonistic relationship with each other. And then it begins to fill in the gaps. So we understand how they've ended up this way. Um, And then, you know, uh, basically what happens is So Kyung starts to, she finds out the truth first. She finds out that Do Won's dad murdered her dad so he tells her the truth and she is like completely devastated like I've been living a lie you've been lying to me you've like it's really intense like and this is the one thing I loved about this show was I feel like the emotions in it the relationships in it like sucked me in so deep straight away like I really felt a lot for these characters very 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 quickly um and Doan kind of does this terrible thing I think at this point where she's like you know did you only look after, So Kyung says to him, did you only look after me all these years because you felt obligated or did you ever do it because you liked me? And I don't think at this point she even means like love, like in love. I think she just means, did you just do it because you had to? Is that the only reason that you've been near me all this time? Like she's in love with him and she thinks maybe that it's only obligation that has kept him by her side. And I think that Doan does this terrible, terrible thing at this point. And I think he's just so, so filled with guilt and like self, self-loathing at what his dad has done that I think that he lies and he tells her like, no, I never once stayed near you for any other reason than obligation. And I feel completely suffocated to be near you. And I need to like leave you and cut this off now. Like it's so cruel what he says. And I think he says it to cut, cut off their relationship, but I think more to be cruel to himself because I don't think he feels that he deserves to love her back is what I think. And then all this other shit is happening in the drama plot wise at the same time as this huge emotional setup between these two people is being created. And plot wise, um, you know, Detective Doan and his, you know, little detective minions or whatever, they have uncovered a body in a suitcase at a disused railway station. And then they find a few more. So there's a whole bunch of bodies buried very shallowly at this train tracks. Um, And there are no trains that pass through this area because the station's been disused and shut down five years earlier. So obviously, you know, there's a bloody serial killer going around doing shit, but no one's been reported missing. So Doan and both Doan and So Kyung are on this case trying to figure it out. And there's quite a few episodes of them just trying to like figure everything out. And then the coolest thing happens. So they find another body. And this one is like, I guess, new and not like gross and decomposed. So they're able to do a fingerprint kind of analysis thing in my Bobby on this young woman who's dead inside the suitcase. So it's like super gross. Like this is a like creepy crime thriller thing. Um, so they find out who this young woman is. And she is just this young, like 20 year old or whatever. And she has a grandmother in a care home, but other than that, doesn't have any family. So Doan goes to the care home and meets the grandma and, you know, the grandma's like, I think she's unconscious or something. I can't even remember, like in a coma. So they tell the nurse, they're like, shit, you know, your grandma, the grandma's like granddaughter has been murdered. She's dead. Um, that sucks. And then they go back to the station and a few days later, this young woman walks in. And she's like, hey, I heard you went and told my fucking grandma that I got murdered, but I'm not. I'm not dead. I'm here. Hello. And so they've 
it's her like because the body they have is not decomposed they can see like her face this is the same woman so at first doan's like fuck like are they twins like what is this but of course when they test both of these young you know one, the young woman doesn't have a twin. So they're like, well, oh, maybe they got separated at birth. Maybe she doesn't know about it. But they test the fingerprints. And the thing is that even if you are identical, like an identical twin, your fingerprints are not identical, um, which kind of blows my mind, actually, that there could be so many different fingerprints in the whole world that we all have separate ones. Like, that's something I knew. But this drama really made me think about that. And I was like, whoa, that's crazy. Um, so anyway, just I like I love this as as a first sort of weird thing that happens like Doan's like this is impossible this woman is alive and she is dead like it is impossible it is her like DNA everything they are the same woman but they are not how is this possible and I was like whoa like imagine if you were investigating a crime and that is like the twist that you came across like it was just so cool And so, of course, meanwhile, you know, he keeps going back to this creepy old station at night. Like they love to go there at night when it's raining and misty and extra creepy. Um, And Doan sees a train. It nearly hits him, but he gets out of the way just in time. And meanwhile, you know, they've found a suspect. They've been like having fights and all sorts of stuff's been happening. Like it's this very, there's a lot going on. But this train comes past and Doan then later mentions it to someone and they're like, no way. There is no trains that go through there. That's impossible. But he's like, he saw it. But of course, Doan has a lot of issues. He's got all this trauma in his past. He's taking whatever these suppressant pills or depression pills. I don't even know what he's on. And he's sort of ignoring advice from, you know, everyone from psychiatrists and from his, you know, lady boss, um, Omi Sook, you know, he's running himself into the ground. So obviously he's like, hmm, I clearly am hallucinating and I hallucinated a fucking train in, you know, the murder spot of this serial killer. But later, um, after he and So Kyung have their big fight and blow up, um, So Kyung heads back, the prosecutor, she's investigating the crime as well. She heads back to the spot of the crime and she's sort of just walking around on the tracks at night and it's raining. And then a train pulls up where it's not supposed to be. And out of this train, a suitcase gets pushed. And she knows that all the bodies are always in suitcases. So she opens up the suitcase and, you know, obviously there's a fucking body in there. And then she turns around and someone on the train fucking shoots her in the stomach. And then she goes and crawls off and, you know, fucking dies, which is unbelievably was a huge shock to me when I watched it. I've spoiled it for you guys now, but such a shock and so sad. Like Doan has said some very mean things to her at this point, which he does not mean. And they haven't kind of like, they haven't fixed their relationship. And he gets this voice message from her where she basically tells him that she is so happy that she knew him in her life. And then he finds her covered in blood alone dead at the railway station and he just freaks the fuck out it is so sad it's just like really really horrendous to watch 
And then, of course, it flashes forward. We've got the funeral. We've got all these different things happen. And Doan is just doggedly, he needs to solve this case no matter what. But he's also starting to catch on to the fact that some of these things, these clues and elements of the case just do not seem possible. So, you know, this woman who is both dead and alive and then this train, he cannot forget about this train that he saw. And he's figuring out that because of the angle of how she was shot and all this kind of stuff, like how did the body even get there and he starts thinking like if if the bodies were being delivered to this place off a train and because of the angle of how Sokyong got shot off a train but everyone keeps telling him it is not possible so of course he starts like haunting this railway station basically and eventually a train comes through and he gets on it and he ends up in you know when it pulls into the station it pulls into the station of a completely different world like it's so cool I the whole show is so moody and atmospheric and the music's so good and just like I don't know the ideas for me were just so so cool like so creepy and he's walking around and like you know in this other world you know for instance um you know, he found a flyer in the suitcase of one of the dead bodies that led him to a church. And it said the church had an event with this guy. And yet he finds out that the church has moved and that guy's dead. So when he goes into world two, the parallel world, he realizes that the flyer is from that world. You know, that church still exists. That man is still alive. Everything is different. And of course, he turns up into world two and immediately gets arrested by So Kyung, who in this world is still alive. She's not a prosecutor, she's a detective, and she is a very different type of person because we find out that 12 years ago, after her father got murdered, Do-won didn't turn up and save her in this world. She got left in the house of her horrible stepbrother and stepmother. She got abused for years. She tried to kill herself and she survived it all only because she has this passion for revenge against the man that she believes killed her father. And in this world, the parallel world, um, oh no, I'm going to cough. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I caught that just in time so I didn't have to cough at you all. How nice. Um, so what I was saying <laughs> was that So Kyung's character in this second parallel world has obviously not been saved by Do Wan. She's lived this horrendous life with this passion for revenge against Do Wan's father. Because in this version of events, Do Wan arrived a little bit earlier, saves his father from the hit and run, Therefore, everyone believes that his father has committed the crime. His father goes to jail as a murderer and Do-won lives his entire life as a murderer's son. And that has severely changed who he is. He never connects with So-kyung. He never has a reason to live well and look after another person. And in this parallel world, he has devolved into a corrupt cop who is addicted to heroin, like he's a very troubled, very, very troubled, traumatized young man who is not nice to anyone around him and no one is nice to him either. Um, and it's like, that's pretty intense. It's pretty intense. So Do-won turns up, he gets arrested by So-kyung, who is this tough nut detective. And she knows that Do-won is addicted to heroin, has clearly murdered a, like a dude or maybe more, maybe, and is like investigating him as a very corrupt cop who has been doing some really shady things. 
And she is positive that he's the mur- like he's a murderer of this suspect and that, you know, he has been basically confiscating drugs from criminals and then using himself. And so she brings Doan, like the real Doan, our Doan, to this um you know, like interrogation room. And I loved how he gets out of this. Like, I was like, what the fuck is he going to do? Like, he's going to end up in jail straight away because they've got all this evidence against him. And straight away to So Kyung, on top of this, you know, he's so shocked to see her alive. I forgot to even mention that. Like, it's so emotional. Like, she is dead and now she is back. So it's very cool because she fucking hates him and thinks he's a little piece of dirt on the ground she thinks he's gross and he is completely in love with her and just so shocked that she is still alive that he just keeps staring at her and it's like and she's very weirded out but it's very cool the way the whole kind of reunion is done and of course Doan gets out of this interrogation room by just being like if you think I'm addicted to heroin test me Like, you'll find there's none in my blood. And he's also like, oh, and here's my weapon. You said that I shot someone. Analyze the bullets. You'll see that I did it. And of course, they can't get him because those two things are true. Their whole case is built on those pieces of evidence. And this version of Doan, it's not true. Um, So I thought that was really, really cool. And Doan's like counterpart, his doppelganger from World 2, is nowhere to be found. And we find out as a viewer that they've swapped places accidentally and he's unconscious in a hospital bed in the real Doan's, you know, World 1, if that makes sense. And meanwhile, in World 2, Doan is he just sort of slowly takes over his counterpart's life, which I thought was very, very interesting. And he starts investigating this serial killer thing, you know, this crime with So Kyung detective, and she is out to get him. She knows for one that he's the son of the man who murdered her dad. So she hates his guts already. And he is just like disarmingly constantly, reacts in ways that she does not expect. So when she's really cruel to him or mean to him, he just, he never kind of bites back. He's obviously looking at her with so much like affection and love and treating her so well and is so frightened for her well-being all the time that it's just so strange for her. And I love this very slow relationship that kind of, you know, this, it, I feel like it's very romantic, but in this very, very subtle, nuanced way. Like, it's not like they throw themselves at each other and kiss at any point. Like, it's, it is love. Like, it's definitely love and it's romantic love, but it is so quiet and so layered and filled with so much, I think, angst and pain. And really, you know, Doan just does everything he can to resolve the serial killer crime because he realizes that it's tied back to the death of So Kyung's father, the person who has killed these people and is dropping, so is killing people in world two and dropping them across the border into world one. Like, so the serial killer is where he's turned up now in world two. And he realizes that whoever this person is, they are involved with the incident that happened 12 years ago. Um, so he's out to resolve it and solve it. But then, of course, you know, living his new life as Doan the detective and surprising everyone around him by just basically not being a heroin addicted asshole anymore and being really fucking competent at his job. Um, he comes home one day and finds his father in his room, like alive. Can you even imagine what that would be like to 
have seen your father die in front of your eyes in a terrible accident 12 years earlier and then suddenly get to see him again alive. It was so moving to me. I loved it. It was really, really beautiful. Um, So that's like, really, that sounds like a lot, I think, in terms of the story that I've told you guys, but that's actually just the initial setup that gets you into what the drama really is. You know, once Do One swaps worlds and begins investigating, that's when things really kick off. And that's maybe episode three, I think. Um, and then from there, it's just this huge investigation, but with this creepy, this creepy idea of these two worlds and this creepy idea of a serial killer who knows about both worlds. And I really liked like the whole the ideas and concept behind the parallel worlds. It's like this one, we've kind of find out that this one decision, this tiny decision that Doan makes the night of, you know, the incident 12 years before as a teen, he's standing in the rain at an intersection and one version of himself sees So Kyung, who he's never met before, standing in the rain and he goes over to her and gives her his umbrella and then walks off. And the other version of him doesn't. And that is where the worlds have split. Up until that point 12 years ago, these two Doans were the same person. The two Sokyongs were the same person. And I found that really interesting because through that idea, I think the drama really explores, you know, those ideas of, I guess, cause and effect and these massive consequences rippling outwards from the smallest decisions, like this one tiny thing that Doan does, like give her an umbrella or not give her an umbrella, changes the course of their lives. People live and die in alternate worlds because of that decision. Um, And I just find it, I found it really, really fascinating just to kind of think about those things, those rippling outward effects. I guess it's the butterfly effect thing, right? Like, it was just such a cool concept and so, I don't know, it was really cool. I really loved it. Um, so I think that's enough on the setup. I'm just going to get into now some stuff I loved. And then there isn't really stuff I didn't love, but there's stuff that if I look at it with like an unbiased view, which is very hard for me because I just kind of didn't care if there was any faults in this show. And there is faults, but I was just like, eh, who cares? It's wonderful. But I will talk a little bit about some of that stuff and then maybe the ending. Okay, so here's a list of stuff that I loved. Um, I've already mentioned Yoon Ji Yoon's character. Um, I think because he is so likable and you get so invested in, you know, his goal. He's, it's a huge plot. It's a huge, complex story with these massive ideas. But realistically, it all boils down to Do Won wanting to save this new version of So Kyung that he has been lucky enough to discover, you know, the woman that he loves is dead. And yet here she is again. She suffered worse in this life. She's had a harder time. He wasn't there to protect her or help her, but now he is. And everything he does is realistically just to keep her alive, to keep her safe, just because he doesn't want to go through that experience that he already did. Um, so I really, really, I think I just liked it. I really was so invested in him and his goal and what he was trying to do. Um, and I just found him a really engaging character that was likable. And also, you know, 
very, very handsome man on my screen. I liked it. <laughs> um, so I've also got on the list the emotion, but I think I just covered that. Um, atmosphere, music. The music is really cool in the show. There's one theme, which was like a main one that would blast at the end of every episode, which I didn't like, but there was this very slow, beautiful song that I loved. And then some of the orchestral stuff, like you know, the drama would consistently show like train tracks splitting as a representation for the two worlds in this. It's very eerie and it would have this like little orchestral, I don't know if it's orchestral, but, you know, instrumental theme that would play whenever just this kind of eerie kind of creepy but beautiful theme and I really liked it and I really felt like it added to the atmosphere of the show I think the show looks really slick as well um you know they kind of use saturation so one of the worlds is like this kind of kind of like I guess blue what do you call that <laughs> like saturation I guess and one sort of more yellow looking and it's all you know a lot of it's filmed at night it's like it's very it's very moody and kind of gritty looking I guess but I do think the show looks really nice nice as in you know there's heaps of dead bodies in it and it's all gross if you know what I mean <laughs> not nice as in pretty um so I really really loved just all the concepts and the ideas like I mean one of the massive things that pulled me to this show was the parallel worlds and I really really liked how it was handled and I thought it was really interesting because it's very different to the way the parallel worlds are kind of laid out in the king eternal monarch and I couldn't help comparing not not in a bad way that I didn't like the king because I did, but I was just interested in how two different writers have approached the same thing and and kind of created their own mythology and rules and framework to the same kind of concept, which I thought was really, really interesting. So one of the things that I found very fascinating was in the king, Eternal Monarch, obviously, you know, the world's changed a lot like earlier in history. So they both have completely different histories going all the way back into Joseon times. At one point, I think Lee Minho's character actually explains, you know, what his history is and you kind of see. Um, so it's going back like, I don't know, like 100 years, 200 years or something that their worlds have been different. Whilst in train, oh, and so because of that, right, in The King, Eternal Monarch, for instance, Lee Minho crosses the borders between the two parallel worlds and he meets a woman on one side, who is his mother. So this woman is dead in his own world. So his mum is dead, but he goes across the border and he meets a woman who looks like his mum. But in that drama, Lee Min-ho very specifically, or, you know, at least his character did very specifically, he's like, this woman is not my, my mother. Like, she did not give birth to me. Like, it's a completely different woman. She looks the same. She has the same DNA. She has, you know, she's exactly the same, but it is not really his mother. So I think that show was really interesting because it has this disconnect between, yes, they're doppelgangers, but they are completely different people. They are not the same person. Whilst in Train, because the worlds have split 12 years ago, for instance, when Doan goes into the new world, and he sees his father there alive. He's not like, oh, you're the other heroin addicted Doan's father. He's like, you are my father. And that man is his father. Like 12 years ago, those two fathers were one person. They have split apart. And I think I was just fascinated by that idea because I think it introduces so many 
kind of maybe more complications and but also in a good way I think it kind of works because one thing that you have is Do Won is in love with this woman So Kyung and she dies and then he crosses over the boundary into world two and finds So Kyung and at first I was like yeah but your So Kyung is dead your one is dead this one's alive if you love her and be with her then aren't you just like not caring that your real woman is dead. Like I felt weird about it. And I had like, you know, like I often do to dramas, like I had an ethical issue. I was like, hmm, hmm, is this, is this romantic or is this gross? <laughs> and then the drama kind of explains that 12 years ago, these two women, these two different versions of So Kyung were the same person. This is his So Kyung. This is his So Kyung if he hadn't existed in her life to help her, this is what she would have become. She would have become this completely, you know, emotionally shut off, angry, vicious, unhappy, lonely woman. That is who she would have become. And so I could so much more get behind the romance because of that, because I didn't feel like he was being unfaithful or disloyal to his dead So Kyung. I felt like he was just trying to save whatever version of this woman that he can because he loves her. And it was actually more romantic, you know, like he's crossed worlds, he's changed everything just to save her and to make sure that she exists in some form. And he's, you know, he doesn't hit on her. He doesn't care if he's with her or not. He just wants her to be alive and he wants her to be okay. So it was actually very romantic, even though, you know, like I said, it's a very nuanced, subtle, quiet kind of love story. Um, and certainly not the main point of the whole show with all this like mad serial killer plot stuff. Um, so the other thing I really loved was the two Yoon Shi Yoon characters. So we have Do Won, who's our main character, who's this, you know, very quiet, very good, very capable detective um, with a lot of baggage, but like essentially a very good person. And then we see his other version, his doppelganger. So Do Won 2, let's call him. So Do Won 2 is a corrupt detective. He doesn't give a shit about his job. He's mean to everyone around him. And he's, you know, he's got a massive, massive drug problem, like in a really intense way. Like his, his hands and arms are like literally covered in track marks from like using heroin, like it's full on. And when I was first sort of like introduced to his character, like um, we're pretty sure he's killed a suspect and stuff. And I was like, oh, that Yoon Ji-yoon is bad. Like he's going to be a villain, you know, like he's going to be a bad guy. And the coolest thing is that he isn't, he's fucked up but he's not a bad guy. Um, and I found that really interesting because there is this point where, you know, Doan, the real Doan has taken over Doan 2's life basically in the second world. And he is working really hard to solve the crime and to look after So Kyung. He doesn't want to go home. He doesn't want to go back to a different world where So Kyung doesn't live. He's happy to do this. This is where he wants to be. But Doan 2 turns back up. And Doan too basically just gets right in Doan's face and is like, this is my life. Like you are, you have taken over my life. Like you have to go. Like you need to not be here. This is my world. And when I was thinking about it, I'm like, from Doan 2's point of view, how fucking insidious is it that Doan, you know, our Doan, our main Doan has turned up and has just slunk into his life, is living in his house, is visiting his father, is, 
doing his job like has just no one even knew that Doan too was gone like it's super creepy when you think about it and I thought that was such an interesting dynamic to, to kind of introduce into this story like the idea that Doan too is a fucked up dude but not a bad guy he is fucked up because of this very hard difficult life he's lived as the son of a murderer he has not been treated well like he He's just, you know, even when Doan, the real Doan first turns up, like you hear all these rumors and all these people whispering behind his back. Like, so you know that Doan too has had a very difficult time of it. Like on top of that, like the real Doan, he also believes that his father is guilty of murder. Like he doesn't think that his father is innocent. His father doesn't even know if he's innocent because he was so drunk out of his mind from being a dropkick his whole life that he doesn't even know if he killed this man or not. So Doan has, Doan too, has not only grown up with this stigma of being a murderer's son, but he does believe he's a murderer's son. And it has turned him into, you know, not the best human being in the whole world, but certainly not like someone that you don't have empathy for, like he's no villain. Um, so I thought that was really, really interesting. Um, and I liked that the show just didn't do the obvious thing of making him evil. And I think at first I really thought that's what was going to happen. And it was quite a nice surprise. Um, so next on my list was a point of just, you know, how perfect the show was for me right at the time I watched it. And, you know, I've already kind of gone into that, so I won't again, but it's so true. It was just I just needed the show and there it was. It was perfect. Um, so the next thing I was going to talk about that I loved was, you know, the themes, this like kind of ripples through time, the consequences, um, which I kind of touched on already. And it really comes back to this bus stop scene, which is the scene where as a teenager, Doan offers his umbrella to So Kyung and it changes the entire course of not only their lives, but the, you know, the entire world. It's just really, I kind of loved it. I loved the idea that it wasn't this big thing that splits the world. It was just this smallest, tiniest decision. But because of that tiny decision, one Doan loses his dad, the other one saves his dad. One So Kyung, well, both So Kyungs come back to find, you know, their dad murdered. Um, but one So Kyung gets looked after by Doan and becomes, you know, a well-adjusted, happy, essentially happy young woman. And the other So Kyung just, you know, her emotions die. Like she has no one and nothing. And she lives that way. Like she's a walking dead person. Like it's just so interesting. I think that it all just comes back to this one tiny, tiny little moment. Um, so there's so much more that I loved and I'm not going to go into obviously the whole drama. I think it's really like, even though I've spoiled heaps of it, I think it's still totally worth your time if you haven't watched it because it's so, there's so much going on that realistically, you know, it's so watchable. Um, but I will go into now some of the stuff that if, if I look at it with a very unbiased eye, I can talk about a few of the things that I didn't think were perfect. All right. So I don't want to say stuff I didn't love, but, you know, sort of along those lines, but not really because I loved the whole fucking thing. <laughs> um, so one thing that I didn't that I kind of wish hadn't happened was Yoon Shi Yoon 2, or um, sorry, Do Wan 2, as in heroin addicted Do Wan 
dice. And I get why as a show they kind of had to do it pretty early because, you know, it must be fucking expensive to have two Doans, like two Yoonshi Yoons on screen at the same time yelling at each other. Like I feel like that would have been really hard and very expensive. So I get from a production point of view why they would want to write out Doan 2 as quickly as they can. But I felt like at first when it happened, I was just really sad because I loved the conflict of Doan 1, our Doan, actually kind of being in the wrong, like in terms of taking over this life and wanting to stay there and wanting to be there. And I think that having Doan 2 die, it kind of left that as a conflict that was sort of unexplored. Like it isn't very ethical that he took over another dude's life when that dude didn't want him to, you know, and because that dude then dies, then it's, it's fine. It's okay. And obviously I feel like I can kind of see that the story sort of needed it because they needed Doan to just be able to walk around freely and not have to hide. And they needed him to be a detective in that world and have those kind of, you know, like, I guess people to do what he says and be able to solve the crime in this legitimate way. So they needed Doan 2 to die, but I was just kind of sad by the really interesting conflict that got sidestepped because of that. Um, in saying that though, like even though I was disappointed when he first did die, um, because I just, I, I really liked Doan too. I thought he was a really interesting character. Um, I did like the way the characters reacted. I thought that it was almost like an easy fix having him die, but then seeing the way Doan reacts to the death of Doan too, kind of, I guess, um, kind of made me feel better about it because he doesn't just dismiss it. He doesn't not care. It really, really haunts him. Like it is a really big deal and he feels very, very unhappy about it. And it also blows open his secret. But like in terms of So Kyung and some other characters finding out that this man is actually a doppelganger from a different world, which is, you know, very, very exciting for them to find out that secret. But I did really love that there, it wasn't like there was no consequences. Like they really talk about the fact that because Doan, our Doan has taken over Doan 2's life, Doan 2 has to die as a John Doe. No one will ever even know he's dead. No one will care. No one will mourn him. And the drama really does treat that like a big thing. And Doan, our Doan feels a lot of guilt because of it. So it kind of assuaged me, I think, with the way the drama handled it. I didn't love that it happened because I felt like we missed out on cool stuff. But if it had to happen, I think that they did it really well. And I really like the way that they managed it afterwards. So in the end, it was fine. Um, like I mentioned earlier, like I think there's definitely some, you know, which I think happens so often in like K-drama crime shows that are very plotty. Like there's definitely some coincidences in how people discover things and come to certain conclusions and stuff like that. Like, I don't know, I didn't really notice any of them, but I'm pretty sure they were there. But I have this whole thing that if a drama emotionally satisfies me, I am so good at like overlooking any like small kind of plot issues. Like I really don't give a fuck. <laughs> I'm just like, I love this show. It's so great. I don't really care. So that again, it's a personal thing. Like if you are very, very plot orientated, I don't know, maybe you'd feel differently or maybe you wouldn't. Like I still think the plot's really, really good, but I think it just has those like maybe a few little leaps of logic and stuff that always happens, um, which I didn't mind. 
So another thing that I didn't, I didn't not like it, um, but I didn't, you know, it wasn't my favorite, I guess, not the very last episode, but the two episodes leading up to that concentrate a lot more on, you know, the serial killer stuff, on the bad guys and why they did what they did and what their history is. And it's really interesting, but I also felt like the show for me suffered by not having Doan and So Kyung on screen so much, like by just moving the focus away only for two episodes or maybe even just one episode, really like one and a half away from them and their, just the complications of their relationship and the tension there, which I really felt carried the show. So I I did want to know about all that serial killer stuff. Like I wanted that background. I wanted to understand what the fuck was going on there. So it's still worth it, but they weren't like my favorite episodes, but then I feel like it all brings it back in the last one. So it's fine. Um, And the other thing that I didn't mind it, but I guess the truth is I totally saw the baddies coming. Like there's only so many characters in the show. So you're like, that character is clearly going to be evil because who else is going to be evil? Like there's no one else that it can be. So I didn't really care because even though I could see who the baddies were, I still couldn't understand how they were like what their relationship was and how they were involved in these crimes and what their reasoning was and how it even worked. So I feel like, yes, you will probably, if you watch it, absolutely know who's going to have done it, but you really still like, I don't know how anyone would guess how or why or what, you know, like, so it's still so much mystery to unravel as you go through the show. It's very like complex plot, but very, very interesting. Um, so I'm now going to talk just a little bit about the ending. And so this is super, super spoilery filled, um, because it's, yeah, it's like literally the end. Um, so the whole drama goes through until, you know, it's 12 episodes and halfway through, basically by the last episode, everything's resolved. They know who the baddies are. They've caught them. It's all fine. It's not fine. It's pretty dark. It's super dark, but it's done. And then you kind of, I was, I was like, what is the last episode going to be about? Because everything's resolved. But it really, the show really, really throws like a spanner in the works, which is such a weird saying, spanner in the works. Um, but, you know, really introduces a whole new massive, massive, massive concept in the very last episode, in the very last half an hour, realistically. And I really found it fascinating and I really, really liked it because it did keep me like really on the edge of my seat um, to basically... Doan, through his time in World 2, has slowly started to see things almost like events are snapping back to what they are in his own world. So, for instance, in his own world, one of his detective minion dudes has a fucked up leg and limps around everywhere. And in World 2, this guy's there and he gets into an accident and suddenly his leg's fucked up and he's limping around. So things begin to repeat. Um, They're different. They happen later. They're completely different, but everything is repeating. So for instance, you know, Doan's dad has died again in a hit and run. So everything just feels like this circle that's snapping back. And of course, he is terrified because in his world, Sokyeon got shot in the stomach and is dead. And that's the one thing that he is trying to avoid. And eventually he does get stabbed up in the stomach, but he manages to save her. But then, so there's, I I haven't gone into like all the serial killer stuff, which I actually think is really, really fascinating. But ultimately the big bad of the whole show is his boss lady, Omi Sook, who's his chief 
police lady. Um, and she has done it to protect her son. And it's very, very interesting. Their whole like creepy story is very like full on. But um, she, it turns out at the end. So obviously she knows about the parallel worlds, right? Because she has been dropping these um, bodies over to get rid of them in the other world. But in the very last episode, she kind of drops a bombshell that there are many, many worlds and she is not from this one or that one. She's from a completely different one. And she has been slowly making her way through all of them, trying to create a version of the world where her son, who she loves, who is a mad, bonkers serial killer, um, survives. She just wants him to live. She's doing everything, every different, making every different decision in every version so that he will live. But Unfortunately for her, her serial killer son loathes her on such a level that no matter what she does, he always wants to hurt her. And he always figures out that the thing that will hurt her the most is him dying. So he always kills himself in every version. And, you know, that's in a different way at a different point in the timeline, but everything snaps back to the way that it was in the very first timeline, wherever that even is. No one even knows at this point. So she basically says to Doan that Doan being in the world is what begins the kind of set of circumstances that starts snapping everything back to how they were in his world. Like he is the creation of the situation that will eventually kill Sokyong. And so she says to him that he has to leave, but his way out of the world is gone. Like the train has stopped and he can't get back across. And there's this such an intense scene where Doan holds like a gun up to his head and he's going to kill himself because he loves her and he needs her to live. And he is like fucking positive that it is him. He is the reason that she will die. It's so sad. And then somehow magically, and I feel like they really did not explain this. He randomly discovers how to hop and jump and skip between different worlds and in the very like little final epilogue we figure out that he's just kind of just living a life of anonymity I fucking can't say that word (laughs) you know what I mean an isolated life and he's just traveling through these different worlds avoiding himself in each of them avoiding the people that he knows in each of them and meanwhile so Kyung has come to the decision that it is not true that Doan causes the bad things. He, she has realized that in both of her lives that she knows about, he is the only reason that she's still alive, that he actually, through his little tiny decisions, has saved her. And so she starts like jumping through the different worlds to try and save him. Again, don't know how. They don't really explain it because it's like five minutes before the end of the drama. And then we come to like literally the only thing that I properly didn't like about this show, which is that we have this, you know, obviously it's a meeting on an intersection, right? They're always like walking towards each other on an intersection. They haven't seen each other for who knows how long. And Doan comes face to face with So Kyung. And then he realizes, I think, that it's his So Kyung or his second So Kyung. (laughs) From World 2, um, you know, the tough nut detective. The one thing that I didn't like about the whole show is that So Kyung in this one scene gets styled in this very pretty summery dress with like pretty hair and makeup. And so, of course, you wonder 
which version of So Kyung this is because when she's a tough nut detective, she just walks around in like, you know, t-shirts and jeans and shirts, like khaki shirts. And she has this just very functional, tough kind of look about her. And suddenly she's there in this floaty cream dress, which I think was just a little bit confusing. And it just didn't feel like that was something that detective tough nut So Kyung would ever wear. So it made me wonder, like, is this Detective So Kyung? Is this some other So Kyung? But I, I kind of, the way I interpreted it, interpreted it in the end was that it, it was his Detective So Kyung, I think. I, I, I guess I've kind of decided it was. <laughs> and she somehow or whatever, like, found out from, you know, the evil police chief lady how to skip around between the worlds. And she has followed him. She's trying to find him. She's left her whole world and her whole life to go and be with him. And because I guess in the end, they're both going to exist outside of time, outside of the where they're supposed to be, then it won't kind of set off that chain of circumstances that destroys everything. So I thought that was, I actually didn't mind the ending. I just wished that they'd just let her dress the way she always does so that we would understand. But I guess what the drama was trying to show by her putting on a cream pretty dress is that she has let go of all her trauma and she is ready to be happy I suppose but I felt like I could have figured that out on my own without a confusing dress <laughs> um the only other thing that I forgot to mention at the very start which I think is really really cool is you know obviously the concept around the parallel worlds never gets like fully explained and I think it's one of those kind of ideas or mythology ideas that like you can't explain it. You know, you don't want to be like, oh, well, someone built a machine and it, you know, did this thing. Like, it's it's a crazy idea. You've just got to accept it straight up. But I really did like the idea that, you know, these two worlds have split apart and then there's this glitch, this weird glitch that at 9.35 p.m. on a night that it's raining, only this particular train, number train 820 or something, when it leaves from world two, and goes between one station and the next, for some reason, this mad glitch means that it passes through World 1 on its way. And all the people on that train never even notice that it does. They never notice that they're swapping worlds just for a moment before they go home on their commute through the city. And I thought that idea was just so creepy and so cool. Like the idea of you just live this normal life within the framework of your world and you don't even know when things slip over the border. And it, I just thought it was really cool. So I didn't mind that they don't like fully explain that stuff. Um, and I really liked the ending. I think I actually really liked that introduction of multiple worlds and what that concept really meant was really cool. But it almost did feel like such a huge thing to introduce in the last half an hour that could have, you know, could have had a season two almost. It's such a big idea. Um, but I didn't mind because I just felt, I guess I felt really emotionally satisfied by the whole show and just, I mean, you know, I've waffled on about it for forever. So you can tell that I really, really loved it. Um, so I guess I'll finish up here. Um, should you watch it? I think if you haven't watched it and if you didn't mind the fact that I really, there were some major spoilers throughout everything I said, it's, it's really worth it. But I am aware that it really matches my personal taste so perfectly. It was exactly the show that I wanted to watch this year. It was the right tone for me, the right ideas, the right actors. Like it just worked for me. 
But on top of that, from a non-biased point of view, I do think it's really good if you like crime dramas, if you watch those OCN kind of gritty thrillers, like something like Tunnel. And if you like that kind of stuff, then I don't see why you wouldn't kind of go for this show as well. I thought it was really good. Um, so if you have watched it or do, let me know. Um, I really hope that you enjoy Train as much as I did. Like crazy, very unexpected for me. I didn't think it would be a favorite for 2020, but like, yes, I loved it. What a cool show. So now it is time for my random thing of the week. And this is very random. Um, I am just constantly very, very fascinated. Like as a writer, as someone who makes up stories, I really love like weird ideas, I guess, you know, something like train and just these concepts always oh, raining. So I don't know if that's really loud in the background, hopefully not. Um, but the concepts in train, you know, they're so interesting. And I love the idea that someone sat around and thought about these things. You know, this is from someone's head. They made up that story and then I watched it and was moved by it and loved it. And ideas wise, I was so interested in, in the parallel world and just the creepiness of it. It was so cool. And I think that you know, when I think about stories like that, I really love those kind of weird idea stories. Like when I watch something or read something, I'm like, how did you do that? You know, like, why did you do that? Where did that come from inside your head? Like, I find it really, really interesting. Um, so I'm going to read out just this little thing. So there's an author and illustrator I really like called Sean Tan, and he has a book called Tales from the Inner City. It's basically filled with the weirdest short stories you've ever heard. And I know I've mentioned this on the podcast before as a book that I was reading and loving, I think. And it's this kind of, it's like a coffee table book. You just spend months and months. You just read a little short story every now and then. And the paintings are beautiful. Um, but I wanted to read this mad short story. It's raining so hard right now. I don't know if you guys can hear that or not. Hopefully not. Um, so I'm going to read this short story. I just think it's really interesting, but it's weird. It's so weird. I'm like, how did this man think of this thing? We took the orca from the sea and put it in the sky. It was just so beautiful up there, so inspiring. But the calls of the mother never stopped. From a cold and foreign sea, her subsonic wavelength penetrated all concrete, steel and urban clamour, reverberated through pipes and sewers, kept us awake all night and broke our hearts. We knew we had done something unforgivable. We promised to set things right. But so many years have passed and the mother is still calling out. So many years have passed and the orca is still in the sky. We just don't know how to get it down. Isn't that just the fucking weirdest short story you've ever heard? I'm like in love with it, but also weird. So an orca, I'm, I'm kind of guessing, presuming everyone knows it's, it's a whale, you know? So it's about this whale that they just put in the sky. And then the next page is this beautiful, like massive pullout painting of an orca swimming over a smoggy city at dusk like it's mad anyway that so that is very random but I'm I'm just interested in where ideas come from and particularly when they're ideas like that one which just seem so fucking unusual I don't understand you know where where it comes from um but that's it for my random thing of the week
So now it is time for my something I'm loving section for this week. Um, it's interesting. Like I'm actually a huge music fan, but it's something I never talk about on the podcast. Um, and I do listen to a lot of Korean music, um, but not really K-pop. I've I listen to a lot of. I guess it's it's called like k r and B. I don't know. I should share some stuff about what I like in case anyone wants to. I don't know. Look it up if you haven't heard of it or whatever. Um, but that's not really what I've been loving this week. So I don't know why I was talking about music. Sorry, guys. Very confused. Um, so what I wanted to talk about today as something that I'm just feeling really obsessed with lately is some K-drama OSTs. Like I'm very, very picky. I don't I guess I don't tend to just like love a whole like OST like soundtrack album. I usually just pick out songs that I really love. And there's two songs this week that I've been kind of obsessed with and really playing on repeat. Um, so one is it's called With You. And it's by, I'm, I'm going to say OO. <laughs> it's like OO, like double O. I don't know. Anyway, it's this beautiful song that's from the soundtrack of Train. Um, it's beautiful. It's this woman just singing. It's like a little, you know, a very soft, slow, melancholy, just gorgeous song. So I love it. It's called With You and it's by OO or double O however you want to say that. Um, I think it's worth checking out. I thought it was really, really lovely. And then the other song from a drama OST that I've been really obsessed with is from the soundtrack of It's Okay to Not Be Okay. And it's called In Silence by Janet Suh, um, S-U-H-H. Um, it is such a beautiful song. Like I really, really love it. And I'm sure if you've watched It's Okay to Not Be Okay, you will totally recognize it because it plays a lot and you probably know it already. I just really, really love it. So I've had those two songs kind of on repeat this week. And there's something like so nice about, you know, say being at work, doing shit on the computer that's a bit boring and having K-drama songs you know, playing in your ears that make you think about watching drama, which you'd rather be doing than doing work. <laughs> so yeah, they've really been helping me this week, I think, get through things while things have been very busy and sometimes a bit stressful. So that's very cool. Um, so that's my something I'm loving section. Um, I just want to mention that I do have my Patreon now and I just want to do a massive shout out to those people that have chosen to support me on Patreon. I super, super appreciate it. I'm quite excited because I now have two extra like Patreon exclusive episodes up where I chat about what I'm watching at the moment and just dramas and stuff like that. So I'm putting one of those up every month now on Patreon. Um, so thank you everyone who is supporting me on Patreon. I really, really appreciate it. Um, and thank you, a huge, huge thank you this month. I meant week. <laughs> I'm confusing myself, <laughs> goes out to my new Patreon supporter, um, Arlene Fukai. Thank you so, so much, Arlene. I just massively, massively appreciate it. So Arlene left a comment on one of the Patreon posts that I put up, and she said that she really, really enjoyed the Korean drama Mystic Pop-Up Bar. So I'm really interested in this show. Uh, it's like a bit of a, I mean, I haven't watched it yet, like a, a fantasy kind of drama or a level of supernatural in it. Um, I've heard really, really good things about it and it's actually on my list. I'm quite keen to watch it. But Arlene was saying in this comment that Choi Won-young 
is one of her favorite actors and also she thinks one of the most talented. So happy to see him as a main lead. And I won't say the next bit because it's a spoiler. <laughs> um, I didn't mind getting that, but just in case. <laughs> um, and uh, oh, she says that she's seen him in Hello Monster, in Airs, Kill Me, Heal Me, Huarang, and Hyena. And no matter how small his role is, he embodies his character so well. So she can't wait to see what he does in the new show, Alice. I really, really enjoyed this comment because I think it's so true when you get really obsessed with, say, an actor or actress, and you kind of see them in a whole bunch of shows for a very long time as quite a, a side role, I guess, as a small side character consistently. And it is so exciting when you finally come across, like, I guess they, they, they end up getting a main role. Um, it is such a good feeling. Like definitely that's happened for me quite a lot um, in terms of, you know, I guess a lot of the actors I really like, actually, I kind of saw them as more side roles at the start. So I totally get um, Arlene's excitement in finally seeing Choi Won-young as a lead actor in a drama. Um, so thank you so, so very much, Arlene. Um, I really, really appreciate your support. Um, so I also wanted to mention really quickly before I moved on, um, this is a little bit different. Um, so I have a lovely K-drama friend and, and Patreon supporter, thank you, Catherine, um, who I've met because of this podcast. And she, um, so her name is Catherine Bourne Taylor. And I think this is really cool. Maybe some people who are listening, uh, like it's not such a big deal if you're kind of part of that world yourself. But um, Catherine is an actress and I find that very exciting. That feels like a whole different world to me and something that I really don't know much about. Um, but Catherine, on top of being an actress, she has also written, directed and starred in her very own short film, which I think it's just bonkers. I think it's so amazing, the idea that you you just want to create something and you go out and you do it. So I feel really, really especially lucky because Catherine actually sent me like a very early look at this film. So it's not public yet, this short film, um, because she will be kind of putting it out to film festivals. Um, and I'm just, I feel really, really excited about it. <laughs> it's such a beautiful short film. I found it so moving and I really feel, so I, I just, I guess I really want to encourage everyone, if you are on Instagram, um, definitely go and follow Catherine there and follow her um, short film Instagram as well. Because eventually if this film does get made public and you have have access to watch it. Just keep an eye out because I feel like it really speaks to, I think I'm going to guess that a lot of people who are listening to this podcast listen because they feel the same way that I do about dramas and about different characters and this kind of obsessive love and passion for these fictional things that don't really exist but this love and passion that actually makes you happy like for real makes you happy and gets you through tough times and this is what's so cool about um, Catherine's short film is because that's kind of what it's about. And I've, I just found it so familiar when I watched it. You know, I really, even though it's like, you know, it, it's not about K-drama, but it is about that, that love for something fictional that, that makes you happy. I found it really, really moving. And I think just so 
familiar. I felt like I could see myself in it. Um, so I loved it. I really, really encourage you guys to Google and follow um, Catherine Bourne Taylor. And her short film is called Ships in the Night. And she also has an Instagram Instagram account for Ships in the Night. Um, I super, super encourage you guys to follow her and keep an eye out for if that film does go public in the future um, and you get the chance to watch it because I think it's really special and I think it really will speak to you if you are someone who has a happy place in K-dramas and uses it as a way to sometimes escape from things that, you know, are less good in real life sometimes, you know, pressures and stress and stuff like that. Um, I, I found it really moving. And also <laughs> the coolest thing is that Catherine um, actually put my name in the credits as a thank you of her short film. Ah, I'm so excited about this. Um, I like honestly like cried a little bit <laughs> when I saw that. It was amazing. Um and that's because, you know, Catherine has made this film, I guess, as an homage to, you know, people who've written fan fiction that has made her happy or, you know, I guess stuff like this, like a podcast where you talk about something that you care about and you can share it with other people. Um, so I found the whole thing very, very moving because it's it's this idea that, you know, I think sometimes the internet is awful <laughs> and terrifying and horrible and sometimes it's the worst. But on the flip side of that, I think it gives a lot of people something really, really special as well. And I think it's in moments like that, like when I watched Catherine's film, Ships in the Night, that it reminds me of that, of that sense of community and this way that you can, you know, we can all share something that we care about with other people who care about it in the same way and find people who understand the fact that you love what you do. I think it's really, really cool. So I just want to thank Catherine Bourne Taylor. Make sure you Google um, her and um, say thank you to her. I just, it was amazing. Thank you so much, Catherine. I'm so glad that I got the opportunity to watch your short film. I thought it was beautiful.